and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. I'm so pleased to introduce you today to some more members of our While We're Waiting family, Sean and Heather Ellis. The Ellis's attended one of our bereaved parent retreats here in Arkansas back in 2017, and we so enjoyed the opportunity to get to know them and to hear the story of their son, Michael, who unexpectedly went to heaven just a month shy of his 15th birthday. I hope you'll listen in as we talk about brokenness, brokenness to the very core, and how God can use our brokenness to minister to others. I'm thankful for their willingness to share their story with you today, and I believe it will be a blessing to you as you listen. I'm so pleased to have my friends, Sean and Heather Ellis, join me on the podcast today. Thank you guys for, for coming on. Thank you, Jill. We're, we're excited to, to be with you today. Yeah, what a blessing. Thank you. Yeah, well, we're blessed to have you for sure. So I always like to start out the podcast by um, giving my guests an opportunity just to introduce themselves, tell us where you're from, and what you do there. Well, um, I'm Sean Ellis, and uh, here with my wife, Heather. Uh, We live currently in a little place called Williston, Tennessee, which is uh, just outside of the Memphis area. Um, I work at FedEx. I've been there going on 28 years. I work in the Air Operations Division. And <laughs> uh, I'm Heather, and I've been a stay-at-home mom um, all these years uh, for about 15 years or so. And um, been a great challenge, but a great blessing um, and great rewards have come out of being a stay-at-home mom as well, especially with Sean's job and, you know, um, the demand that's put on him, uh, for me to be able to be available and to, to do, you know, what I need to do for the kids and stuff. So, and I'll add that we just celebrated 22 years of marriage. Yeah, very good. Very good. So how did the two of you meet? Well, we met through church and, uh, we were at a, uh, college and career gathering at a couple's home. And, um, I was just, looking to have some conversation with a, a female friend, not looking for a girlfriend or anything. <laughs> and we all had name tags on. And, and so Heather walked by and, and I just called out her name and struck up a conversation. And she kind of looked at me with a puzzled look like, how'd you know my name? I said, well, it's right there on your name tag. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't but, lived that down yet. So, you know, <laughs> but, it's a humbling experience. But I will tell you that within that first minute of talking with Heather, God made it clear to me that we were to be Isn't married. That something. And about three weeks after that, um, I told my mom the same thing, is that the Lord had really put it on my heart that he would be my, my husband uh, one day and so I was floored because I'd come out of um, a relationship and um, felt very rejected and in that and um, was moving forward, had a, had a major wreck and broke my pelvis bone. And so I was recovering. And, um, and so I was getting into the college department. I was younger. I'm seven years younger than he is. And so I was coming into that and um, my friends were encouraging me back to get involved at church. So um, that's the night I met him, and um, his love for the Lord really struck to me because I'd been a Christian, and he um, he was a new Christian, and so his on fire for the Lord was really attractive to me. Wow, and now 22 years later, here you are. Yep. Wow, that kind of sounds like my husband and I are after our very first date. We were both in college, and he went back to his dorm room and told his roommate, you know, that's that's the kind of girl I want to marry, and I did the same thing. I told my roommate the same thing. And so here now, 34 years later, almost, <laughs> here we are. So, you know, when God puts you together, yeah. you know it's right. So good for y'all. And you have two well, kids, yeah. Abigail and Michael. Uh, tell us just a little bit about Abigail first. Well, I'll start off. Um, Abigail um, was the the second child, and she um, was a great uh, sense of calming and joy, mm-hmm. and has always been a joy um, in our hearts, and um, has played that role throughout. Um, she reminds me of the Abigail that's in the Bible. Of uh, she's very courageous and uh, very 
uh, goal-oriented. She's not a self-driver, but she is driven when she puts her mind to something. Um, she's a lot like Sean. <laughs> and um, and she's just she's just a good kid. She, she loves uh, the Lord. She's always had a bent towards God. And one thing that's really cool about Abigail is that she is very black and white, so she she doesn't waver. Um, when she likes something, she likes it. And if she doesn't, she doesn't. Um, and she knows if she likes something or not. So um, I just love those characteristics about our daughter. Yeah, and then uh, she turned 17 in March. Mm-hmm. Um, she's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> yes, she is. Uh, blue eyes and big smile and... <laughs> Uh, kind of an auburn brown color hair, depending on if she's colored it or not. But <laughs> uh, she loves horses. She's got two horses. She barrel races with those. Uh, she's been riding since she was eight years old. So that's her real passion and love there. Um, Abigail is very intuitive and analytical and really figures things out very quickly. <laughs> You're you're not going to get anything past her. She she's going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, good for her. Good for her. I've had the opportunity to meet her, and I've I've observed some of those characteristics in her. So I know y'all are proud of her. Very much. Yeah. So now tell us a little bit about Michael. Uh, Michael was the first child. Um, when I found out that I was pregnant, um, I was actually driving and it was actually a crossroads. I was going to the doctor to find, uh, to talk about my nutrition and I'd always struggled, uh, with that area of my life. And so I was going to a doctor, um, in Indy, Indiana and, um, to talk about nutrition. And as I was driving there, Sean called me and said that, um, they called him and told him that my results had come back and said that I was pregnant. And at that point, it was a really crossroad for me because we had just been not been married that long. We were already going through some hard times. And I had one of those crossroads where it's like, okay, I can turn my car and end this um, or I can go face this. And I'll never forget. It was a small little doctor's office and, um, we drove, I drove in and the doctor and the nurses were at the door ready to embrace me. And they were like, it's okay. You can, you can do this. And I was in tears and, um, very emotional about it, but I knew that the Lord was with me and I knew I could trust him. And so that's how Michael began. And then, um, he was very active. (laughs) I never sat down. That was not being, um, exaggerating at all. Like he was so busy. Um, he just always was going all the time. Um, he, he walked at nine months and, um, so he, and he was a very, um, he was very big when he was born. He was nine, seven, 21 inches long. So, and he was just full of personality. He was full of life. Um, he brought a lot of laughter. Um, we had a great time with him and, uh, he just, he lit up our life (laughs) and kept us very busy. (laughs) Yeah, and and I'll add that as soon as he could grip a ball of any sort, he had his hands on a ball all the time. So he he became quite the athlete. Uh, His primary sports were were baseball and football. Um, He he had some natural athletic ability, but, but he worked hard at it. So he... He wanted to compete and be the best he could be, so he had that drive and that self-motivation. Michael uh, was uh, one month shy of of 15 when when he went to heaven, and he was almost as tall as I was, uh, right at six foot, and he had really started becoming a young man physically. He He had finally been able to start working out with the football team at high school and getting on the weights and um and he was really you know beginning to blossom out um as heather said he had a great sense of humor he 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 loved to laugh and crack jokes and stuff and that got him in trouble at school sometimes and um but he um he was very compassionate towards people um he was always giving his shoes away 
or giving something away, we finally had to tell him, okay, Michael, you need some shoes. <laughs> so <laughs> don't give them wow. all away. But um, but that's just his heart. He he wanted to give um, of whatever he had. Um, he always was giving and very yeah. loving. And he was he was tender hearted. Mm-hmm. You know, he he really had compassion, especially for the smaller, younger kids. You know, if they were playing neighborhood football, you know, there was one time where you know one of the little smaller kids got the ball. And Michael picked him up and ran him back for a touchdown. Oh, how fun. That was <laughs> so, probably the highlight of that kid's whole year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he uh, he accepted Christ in his life when he was uh, four years old um, after watching the, the Bellevue Memphis Passion Play. And he was very excited about that. He, he told me that night, you know, Daddy, Daddy, I'm a big boy now. I'm like, what? what what's going on? And he told me, he says, I prayed with Brother Steve after the um, Passion Play tonight, and I asked Jesus into my heart, and I'm a big boy now. I said, well, that's great. And we really could see the difference in his life. And, and it was obvious that he knew, as much as he knew of his sin and, and his need to, to turn from that, and as much as he knew of, of Jesus, he, he gave all that he knew of himself to receive all that he knew of Jesus. And I really believe that he received the Holy Spirit and was born again. Um, but, you know, he's a young boy, so he had more sinfulness to experience and more of Jesus to experience. And and it was when he was 13, going on 14, um, that he really made a new commitment to the Lord in his life and chose to get baptized again just to make another you know public statement that, hey, I want y'all to hold me accountable. I'm, I'm really going to go all in for Jesus. And we, and we really saw that. And, you know, by no means he, was he perfect, but, but there was a, a, a renewed commitment there that was a real blessing to, to be able yeah, to see. Absolutely. Wow. That's a great testimony. A great testimony from a young man like that. So let's go back almost five years ago now to the 4th of July weekend. Um, talk about what happened that weekend. Well, um, the week before we, um, had gone down to, to Florida and, um, had a family vacation, but also, as we said, Michael, um, was a football player. He was quarterback. And so he wanted to go to two different camps. And so he went to the Florida state, uh, football camp. He was so excited and, um, had a, a week there, I guess. And, then um, we went over to the beach and had some time there. And then he went to the um, Pate Manning um, Academy uh, camp as well that he had been at two other times. So this was his third year. And he was really excited because he was going into high school. So he knew that, you know, they would begin to start looking at him. And that's what he wanted. He, his dream was to go to the NFL. And so um, we got back from that trip. And um, and then it was going into July 4th. And that day, um, the night before, we had been at a friend's house, and the, all the kids were together, and they were driving um, ATVs and uh, trucks and doing all kinds of stuff, just being kids, um, having a great time. We did a bonfire. We are just having a great time as families. Um, I think that was mostly our life group at that time, and all the kids were together. And so the next day, um, it was uh, Sean's stepmom's birthday on July 4th, and so he was going to take a card over to her. Um, I was leaving to take care of his mom. She didn't drive. So we were having lunch and doing a grocery, doing our normal thing. We had a party that evening we were supposed to go to. So we we're trying to get things done. And then Abigail went, um, dropped her off at the barn and she was with her horses. So, um, and then we left Michael at the house with a friend that had spent the night. And, um, and so we had all been gone and then I got a call um, when I was sitting in Corky's um, eating lunch with my mother-in-law. And um, my friend called me, um, whose son was with Michael. And she said, Heather, um, uh, there's been an accident and uh, Michael's unresponsive. That's all I can tell you. You need to get here quickly. And so we lived about uh, 20 minutes from there. And so um, I got in the car. I told my mother-in-law, we got to go. So we get in the car and, um, as I'm driving there, I'm just thinking, 
oh Lord, what am I about to walk into? You know, um, I'm just praying that he's okay. And um, we drove in the back road of our, uh, where we lived at the time, our neighborhood. And there's woods everywhere around and stuff. And I drive up and I'm just seeing lights everywhere. Um, And um, ambulance, fire trucks, policemen, everybody. And all these people are standing out. And on the way there, of course, I called Sean and I said, you need to get home quickly. Um, I've been, I've gotten a call and Michael's had an accident and he's non-responsive. And, um, and then I called my parents quickly and told them, will you please just go get Abigail? Uh, I, I can't go get her. So as I drive up, um, all these people around, um, a sweet neighbor ran over to me and grabbed me and said, um, they haven't gotten him out of the woods yet. Um, but you just need to stand right over here. And I kept trying to go towards the ambulance and they wouldn't let me, um, because he wasn't there and they really didn't want me seeing him period. And so, um, it seemed like forever (laughs) of that moment, but I know it went quickly. Um, and they, uh, always wondered why it took so long for him to come out of the woods. Um, but that what they were doing was trying to get him on the, um, the ATV to bring him out. Um, Sean finally got there. And when he got there, I collapsed in his arms and we just held each other. And um, by that time they were bringing him out. They wouldn't let him uh, see him. So they put him in the ambulance and our neighbor, he just, he said, y'all aren't driving. I I will drive y'all to the hospital. So get in your Tahoe and I'm going to drive you. And so we got in the Tahoe and, um, Still not yet put our eyes on Michael to know exactly what was going on. We just knew he was unresponsive. And um, and then we get in the car and we drive towards the hospital. And I'll never forget, we were on the interstate. And the Lord just made it so clear to me in my spirit that you're going to go through the motions um, of going to the hospital, but I've already taken him. And he's with me. And I just... I can't tell you how I felt with that. It was like, what, Mm. what? Like I I didn't, I didn't really understand, but then we got to the hospital. There was a a lot of people um, already there um, because people, different people were calling. It was all over the news and all that stuff. And, and there was just a lot of people at the hospital and it was a blessing. Um, But they would only let Sean go to the back and see him. So I waited and, um, and Sean can pick up from there. Well, and obviously, when we're recounting what happened that day, there's there's just a flood of memories. Some things you remember, some things you don't. And um, each time that that we've told the story and given testimony, you know, it comes out in a little different way. You know, each time, mm-hmm. um, I'll I'll add in that. Um, we had a Polaris side-by-side in the garage that I had not hidden the key to or anything. Um, uh, Michael knew he wasn't supposed to drive it um, without us, but while we were gone, uh, he and his friend that spent the night, they decided to take the Polaris out, and then they gathered up three other friends in the neighborhood, and they drove it out to a field near, near our neighborhood. And, um, and that's where the accident happened. You know, they were probably going too fast and made a turn and it rolled over. Um, and Michael got pinned underneath, um, the Polaris. Um, so I, I would just, you know, I'll, I'll kind of pick up where Heather left off there and, and add that, you know, we were, you know, I, I, I know I speak for both of us, but just speaking for myself, I mean, I was in shock. I, you know, I was in disbelief of what was going on. I mean, you know, when, when she first said he had an accident, he's non-responsive, I'm thinking, okay, well, he's just knocked out. He'll be okay, you know, and um, didn't know exactly what had happened. Um, but like Heather said, I, I wasn't able to see him either, mm-hmm. so I, I couldn't even visually see his condition until we got to the hospital. Um, and they did allow me to go back in the emergency room and all that, Um but even in the emergency room, I believe God was was already preparing me. Like He was already moving me in the direction of acceptance. Um, that although I knelt by His feet and prayed, and I knew 
my God was big and, and, and that he certainly could bring Michael through if that was his will. Um, but there was just something in me that was nudging me in the direction of acceptance, even though I still had disbelief. I, I, I like, I couldn't, I, it just wasn't all sinking in at first. Um, but then finally God, you know, just helped me to, um, realize that he was already gone and they weren't going to be able to revive him back. And, and when I, looked at the emergency room doctor's mm. eyes. He just looked up and it was just an unspoken visual facial communication, you know, and, um, and, and then they stopped the, the CPR and stuff. Um, but, you know, fast forward a little bit, what, that day, the, one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was the presence of God mm. is that in the midst of that storm, and the shock and the disbelief, I had an absolute peace and joy in the midst of that pain. And and there was a knowing that God was with us, and there was a knowing that, that God came and received Michael from that field. And it's it's hard to put into words, but I felt like I had experienced a bit of death and resurrection by Michael's death and resurrection from that field that day. Um, and so from that moment forward, God just put a praise on my lips, and and all I could do was praise Him, and and all I could do was listen to worship, you know, Christian songs, K Love, and. And um, the very first specific song he reminded me of was Good, Good Father by Chris Tomlin. And that was a favorite song of Michael's. And um, and when you listen, you know, to the words of that song, you know, he, he is a good, good father and he is perfect in all his ways. And, and even in our greatest tragedies and losses, his character doesn't change. And he is the same God that he was back from the beginning <laughs> he is the beginning <laughs> and all between and now i mean he is the same and we can trust him in that and and then along with that i would say that through those early you know weeks and months and the emotions are raw and you never know when you're going to just start bawling um every time i had a memory or a thought that was painful and I, and that stirred my emotions to cry. I then felt the Lord's presence and had his joy that then it was the tears of joy of overwhelming joy, because I knew the Lord was with me in that pain. I just add to um, the, the point that Sean made about um, knowing the presence of the Lord in that field um, we actually, the first responder that was the first one on scene actually came to our house a couple, a couple of days after, um, Michael had gone to heaven and he came to us and he said, um, I, the Lord just really put it on my heart. I needed to come and tell y'all this. And, um, and he said that two years prior that his dad had passed with cancer in the hospital and he was with his dad. And when his dad went um, to be with Jesus, he had an expression of awe on his face. And he said that as he walked upon Michael in that field, he saw the same expression on Michael's face. So in in that, when Sean's talking about the joy, even though I didn't understand that that was joy at the time, um, is that God made it so clear of his presence with us there and how he was going to carry us through. And he literally did carry us through. Amen. So it's interesting to me that you would describe joy, actually experiencing joy in those first moments. Um, that's, a, that's a very powerful testimony. Do you feel like there's a difference between happiness and joy? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what you were experiencing in that moment, I... I I'm sure it wasn't happiness, but it was joy. So what's the difference? Uh, joy can only come from our Lord Jesus Christ and and His presence in our life that He works through the Holy Spirit. 
allows us to experience him, him, and he is full of joy. And, and I believe it's in Psalms, it says, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact reference, but, um, and, and that's what I experienced. And, and it was different than any other kind of joy that I've experienced previously. Um, and the, the real contrast and, and it's, and once again, it's just, I, I, I know that other bereaved parents can relate with this, that, that have had something similar. Um, but it's like the more we're broken and emptied of ourselves, the more we can experience the Lord in his fullness and, and, and know that joy and that peace. And no, I I don't want to, if I had my human choice of ways, I mean, just, you know, I would rewind and not have all that happen. Um, But I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and, you know, being 100% man and 100% God, his manhood part of him said, you know, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. He knew what was ahead. He he did not want to go to the cross. If there would be another way to accomplish the same thing, he, he would have chosen that. But in his perfect obedience and, and in his perfect uh, uh, God being God, you know, he obeyed the uh, Heavenly Father and, and said, not my will, but thy will be done. And and I experienced that. There's, there's a, a song that also speaks to that that meant a lot to us um, called Thy Will. And and it was just a real encouragement to me as well is, you know, there's there's things that we can't explain and we're going to ask God why. And we may not get the answer this side of heaven, but but in God's goodness and in his faithfulness, um, he, he is all sufficient for our every need. His grace is sufficient in our time of need. And um, I experienced that and that joy is is what is what encouraged me um, through the pain. And, and it was, I still felt the pain. I still had grief. I mean, my, you know, stomach punch, heart ripped out feeling. Um, but I was comforted and, and experienced joy in the midst of that. Yeah. I'll also add to that um, is that, um, you know, I'm learning um, in my walk with the Lord is that the Lord does want us to be happy. Um, but like Sean said, the joy comes from the Lord. And I love the Psalm. Um, it, I don't know the reference, but it talks about that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that's exactly what he was for us is that he literally was our strength to do the things he had called us to do. And there were times where, I mean, after after Michael, it was so weird how um, I think there was about five or six kids that passed within that year on ATV accidents. And God would place us with through people that we knew or just hearing about us, um, about our story, would place us at those visitations for those families. And I remember one specific one where we were standing in line and talking about the realness of the pain is that we were standing in line and we didn't know this family, but um, somebody, a friend of ours had told us about them and we're standing there and the, the mom screams out. She's standing by the son. They're all boys. And she's standing by the son's casket and she screams out. And I told Sean, I, I don't know that I can do this. And then God reminded me, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's how you're doing what you're doing. It's not about you. It's because I've placed you here. This is a calling on you. This is what I've called you to do in the midst of your pain. And I can't tell you that there was so much healing that came. Every time we walked out of a visitation, we would hold each other and just be in awe of God and what he was doing through, through our pain. But the blessing it was to hug those people and they just melted in your arms. And it just reminded me of how Jesus 
would minister to those people when he was here on earth and that we were getting to experience just a small part of of that ministry yeah and those those families you know they they immediately have a connection with you even though you've never seen or spoken to them you tell them that that you have a a, a child in heaven as well there's an immediate connection mm-hmm. and um and to heather's point there um and and testimony of this ministry um, while we're waiting is that when you allow God to work through your your grief, your loss, your pain, and minister to others through us, we experience healing in the process yes. because we're just being that conduit. And so um, it's hard. It, it, it takes courage. Um, we have to overcome you know, fear and have courage to, to overcome that w- with hesitations to reach out to, to others and go to those visitations or funerals. And, um, but like Heather said, every time God affirmed us that we were right where we, supposed, we were supposed to be, and we experienced a little bit more healing ourselves. Um, and so that's, that's one of the many reasons, I mean, God obviously called us, uh, to, to what we're doing now. Um, but I guess you might say in a, in a selfish way, I mean, it's good for us. I mean, as part of living well is, is he wants us to be healed. He wants us to live life abundantly. And um, one of the great ways of doing that is is sharing with others in, in their grief and their pain. And, and I was just reminded, you know, that's what his word tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It, it, it talks about doing that very thing, that for wherever we've been comforted, comfort others. And wherever we're experiencing pain, you know, and share that with others and, and, and have that, that fellowship and allow God to work in the midst. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you about your favorite scriptures or any scriptures that kind of encouraged you on your journey, and you've already mentioned so many. Um, were there any others that, that would just jump out to you as, as something that has been helpful to you? Yeah, there's um, this one in Psalms is the one that I give out um, to our, our bereaved parents in our group and then friends that I've had um, that have experienced other kinds of grief. Um, that's not, you know, a child loss, um, but there's so many different types of grief out there. But this one's Psalm uh, 91.4. It says, He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And I love that because, um, you know, just seeing a picture, I love pictures, and seeing a picture of wings in cupped is where I sit in the middle of that. And, and God is protecting us and is shielding us from the things that, you know, um, want to come at us and um, and comforting us, you know, holding us um, like a, a bird yeah. would do with his baby, you know, is that the baby is underneath those wings. And um, there's protection, but there's also comfort there um, and rest. And that's exactly what God has, has done through this journey. And then mine, uh, well, and, and ours collectively too, but uh, is Romans fifteen thirteen that says, May the God uh, of hope give you all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And hope has been key in all this. Um, we, uh, we cling to that. He is our hope. And and in that verse, uh, one of the things I love about it is when it when it's wrapping up and saying that you may abound in hope, abound, abundance, more than what you need, so that you can share that with others. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well said. Thank you. Um, the loss of a child changes a parent profoundly at a very deep level. So how do you all feel that Michael's homegoing has changed you? Well, um, I like to refer it to, as Tony Evans put it, um, God has broken me to my core. Um, I've been broken before in other areas of my life, um, you know, with the, with the Lord, um, just purging things out and, and growing me. 
in our marriage and things we went through in our marriage, the hard times um, was brokenness as well. But when I, when Michael went to heaven, it literally broke me to my core and it was a pain like I had never experienced before. And, um, and the one thing that, that he showed me through that is that he wanted to use that brokenness and he was, what he was doing was, was healing me or turning me inside out and helping me to understand the mindset of like what Michael had on the football field was he was all in. He was all into the sports that he was in and he would go after it wholeheartedly. And I'd been a Christian and, you know, and, and, um, gone to church and, you know, lived that life. Um, and I'd always admired uh, other women that would, um, pray, you know, my mom was a prayer warrior. I would admire that. Um, I came from a line of that, or I'd admire other women that were just in his word all the time and just had such a strong, intimate relationship with the Lord. And I always wanted that. Um, and I always, sometimes would try to even make it happen. Um, but the morning that I woke up after sleeping, Mm -hmm. first of all, through the night, um, after Michael had gone to heaven, I realized I can't breathe without him. I need him to give me breath. And the other fact was that I had slept through the night and didn't, um, didn't wake up at all. And, And that blew my mind that I could sleep after something like that. But what I found out is that there were many people praying me asleep throughout the hours. And what a gift that was. And, and it just blew me away that my God loves me that much to put my name on other people's hearts to pray for me to sleep that night. Um, and then it helped me also to understand that every morning uh, for about two months, I would wake up and I would say, good morning, Lord. And then I would say, good morning, Michael, because I knew Michael was right beside the Lord. And so that just put a smile on my face and helped me to to be able to get out of bed and to be able to say, okay, I, I can do this. You know, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I, I never said, why did this happen? I just said, Lord, how am I going to live? How am I going to live without a child, my child? So when he broke me to my core, um, he literally um, turned me inside out. And, and now um, because of what Michael exp- showed in his last year, not realizing that was his last year, but being all in for the Lord, that that is the legacy that my son left uh, left Sean and I, and I just desire to live that way. And I don't have any other purpose to live except to live all in for the Lord today. Very good. Thank you. Sean, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Um, for me... It was brokenness as well, um, and and through that, it just really changes your perspective on things, and 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 it helps you to be more heavenly minded. Um, you know, we we read that in the Bible. You know, we sing about that. We talk about that. But when a child goes on ahead of you to heaven there's a part of you that's already there and um yeah number one we're going to be most excited to see our savior jesus um but as some may say be looking over his shoulder you know looking for our child next (laughs) and all of our other loved ones um but that's that's the big thing is is just this this world is is so tempting and distracting and can pull you in so many different directions and when something like this happens um if we will surrender it all over to the lord and rest in him he will do an incredible work in us and and change us for his glory and and for the good of others that that we're around and, and therefore for our own good um so I'm thankful for that, um, and like I you know mentioned earlier, I you know just the flesh side of me would wish I had Michael back. Of course, yes. you know he. Uh, I've got a brother. He he had two daughters, 
So I was the only son to carry on our Ellis name. And um, so that's just one of many things that I miss about, you know, having a son is, um, but knowing God's goodness, knowing he's perfect in all his ways, knowing that Michael knew Jesus and that we're going to spend all eternity with him, um, it, it, that's what helps me to embrace what God is doing and 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 be blessed in that. Um, because quite honestly, I, I can't confidently say that I would be at the same place I am now spiritually had I not gone through that. And and so for for God to uh, allow that and to uh, and draw us closer to him in a deeper level of intimacy that's that's a, a huge blessing and a responsibility and 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 that just goes back to that these things that he shows us and allows us to experience and how he grows us is not just for us it, it's meant to be shared with others you know as he said you know you don't you don't put a lampshade over the lamp, you know, you, you let it shine. And, and, uh, so it's all for his glory and, and I'm thankful, um, just for his goodness. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been almost five years since Michael went to heaven. Uh, but I want you to think back if you can to the very early days of your grief. What advice might you give to a parent who is just at the very beginning of this journey? Well, the first thing is I had someone do this for me, and and I always do it for those that are in our group and and those that I come in contact with is is give them permission to say no um, to something if you you've made a commitment to it and you wake up. There was times where. I had said I was going to go to a party during Christmas and I just couldn't go. And and I turned my car around and I went back home. And, and at first, you know, the, the people pleasing of me would feel bad about that. But quickly I realized, you know, it's okay. And when someone, a friend of mine that's further ahead of me told me said, I give you permission to say no or to do what you need to do. That's not being selfish either. You need to do what you need to do for you because you've got to take care of you in order to be here for your husband and your daughter that are living. And so when she said that, um, that's something I like to tell others is that I give you permission to say no and to do whatever you need to do to take care of you. Because it's very, very important for us to take care of ourselves so that we can be here for those that that are living with us. And I I would say... um you know, being patient, like don't try to rush the process. Just, just take it a moment at a time, a day at a time. Um, don't predetermine where you're supposed to be at any point as you're working through the grief. Um, and, and just lean hard into the Lord. Um, I mean, you know, we can't do it without him. Um, you know, and, and, and the way, each person grieves, um, you know, can look differently and male, female, whatever age you are, your child is. Um, um, so that's, that's the, the main thing that comes to mind for me. Yeah. When you mentioned that men and women sometimes grieve differently, was that the case for you guys? And if so, how did you work through that together? Well, I will say that it was really sweet of the Lord to, um, when I was at my weakest point, Sean would be at his strongest and vice versa. And so I just feel like that was a great gift from the Lord um, to do that because Sean would hold me and he would just um, allow me to to cry or whatever I needed to do. And same for him. And and that, I will say, that's a very eye-opening thing for a woman to hold their husband and them crying so deeply. Um, so, uh, it a, but it's a very tender moment, and I felt very privileged to be able to be the one to hold him. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I, remember, I can remember some of them times and uh, just uh, the comfort that I, I felt of the Lord through my wife. Um, 
just hold me. Yeah, because yeah, there was definitely those moments of crying uncontrollably. Yeah. I would say another thing um, that Sean did, um, he was quick to uh, want to go to the, the graveside, and I just didn't really feel a need for all that. <laughs> um, and But, you know, I'm very thankful looking back that he um, he encouraged me to do that because we didn't linger there. I never felt like we were supposed to linger and stay there for long periods of time. But um, probably if it had been just me, up to me, I wouldn't have faced that. And so as hard as it was to go there and to do it, um, it got easier and easier as years went by. Um, and now we seem to, to go together um, because of where, you know, where we live and everything now, but, um, but it was just sweet times that we had together to go and do that, to change out the flowers, to, um, to do those things. Um, but again, it, it was very, very difficult for me to, to go there. And over on the other side where, um, uh, Michael is buried, um, was, um, they were beginning more of the children burials for little ones. And I just, it would break my heart every time I, I would drive there. And um, the Lord just really prompted my heart to to really begin to start praying as I did go out there. That it wasn't just me going out there to see my son, but now I knew others that were out there around him. And, um, and then to pray for these mamas and these little ones, you know, that they didn't get 14 and a half years that I got. And um, we've had some of those come through our group. And um, so it just, it gave, like he said, it's a new perspective. And it helped me to to just go um, to a different place with him and, and pray, you know, um, for those people instead of feeling sorry for myself or finding a, myself in a pity party of not having uh, my son. Um, it just helped me to put my perspective in a different, different light. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that about going to the grave, because that is an area that very often husbands and wives feel differently. I know it's a little bit different for Brad and I, and you just have to kind of find that balance, don't you, of of what you're comfortable with. And it yeah. sounds like sounds like you guys worked that out and, and worked it out well. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, you've mentioned a couple of times that uh, about your group. And you guys lead our while we're waiting support group along with another couple um, in the Memphis area. So, if somebody were to come and visit your group, what would they find there? Warmness, friendliness, open arms, safe, mm-hmm. encouraging. Uh, yeah, I mean, we literally have watched people. Is so we're in awe of the Lord every time this happens, but we. We have watched God transform people within our, you know, in that hour that we're with them. Um, they'll come in devastated and crying and hardly can talk. And then they're leaving laughing and um, uplifted, uplifted and, and encouraged. And it just, it, it's, it, it's just um, awing of the Lord of what yeah, he does. Yeah. I mean, the, the Lord guides us every time because, because, yeah. because there's been some nights where just, you know, life happening, you know, we're doing good just to get there. and We're a bit scrambled in our thoughts and emotions. And, and there's been times where we thought like, uh, how can we do this tonight? Like, how can we facilitate this group? You know, we, we need to <laughs> go home and whatever. Right. And, uh, but every time God has been faithful to bring the right group of people, cause not, not everyone's going to come every time. And uh, just to see how he orchestrates who's there, who's not, what's discussed, mm-hmm. um, it's just it's just been perfect how how he's 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 leading things. Right? Yeah. Aren't you glad it doesn't depend on us? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I would say um, that second year um, after Michael, um, I got really sick, and um, there was about two months where. I, I was in a chair and I, I couldn't really be a wife or a mother. And, and I literally would crawl up the stairs. I'd had gallbladder surgery right after Michael and um, going to heaven. And so my body was just torn down. And um, and so there's a period of time where 
you know, I, I was like, Lord, why am I even here? What, what's my purpose? I mean, I mean, if I'm just going to be in this chair and I can't be a mom or a wife, then what am I here for? And one morning, one day, the Lord, um, I turned off the TV. I was tired of TV. I'd watched it so much. <laughs> and, um, and I put my phone down and I was just done with everything. And he said, Heather, he said, there's a reason why you're, um, you're a part of this group with these bereaved parents. And your role right now is to learn how to pray for these people. That's your job right now is in this chair is to pray. And so he began to teach me how to pray for them. And he would give me just enough strength <laughs> to make it to church on Wednesday nights. I mean, at this time we were doing it once a week. And so it was every Wednesday night and he would give me just enough strength to get there. And then it would take about two days for me to recover. After that, I would be in the bed. But um, but the Lord, he did. He tore my body down physically um, to build it back up for the purposes and plans he has um, for ministry today. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, I learned a lot through that. Um, but I will say that grief does affect our bodies physically as well. Yes, it sure does. It sure does. I will put a link in the show notes to the information about your support group. So if there's anybody in your part of the state that might be interested in looking into that, they'll have your information so they can uh, contact you about that. So one question that I always like to ask is, how are you seeking to live well while you're waiting to see Michael again? Well, and that is a, a good question. Um, how I look at that is um, being a good steward of what God has allowed us to experience of Him and and how He can use that to minister to others. Um and and so one was was getting involved with this ministry with while we're waiting, um, but even before um, we found out about this ministry, God in the first week after Michael went home to heaven gave us a, a vision of a of a ministry to reach other siblings that have lost siblings. And, and he gave us the name of the ministry, which is called Michael's Hope for Him Ministries. And we use the number four in, in that title um, because that was Michael's favorite uh, jersey number for football and baseball and basketball. Um, and so he had given us that vision and that desire uh, to, to do something with reaching other families and specifically the siblings. Um, you know, we, we've got Abigail. She was two and a half years younger than Michael. And she, she was then now the only sibling. She didn't have another sibling to go through this with, but Heather and I had each other and we can't even begin to really relate and understand how difficult it's been for her. We haven't walked in her shoes. And so um, he put that on our hearts, and then we later found out about why we're waiting and came to a retreat. And then it was just during that retreat how God was just affirming how one day these two ministries could 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 uh, work together. And um, because so many of the families that have already been reached through while we're waiting have other siblings. Uh, they got other other children, um, so we're we're excited to see how God's going to continue to to lead us in that. Um, we we've already done the homework. We already got the ministry approved with the IRS and everything. Um, but it's just just continuing to wait on His timing on the next steps. Um, and then the other thing is uh, we are getting ready to facilitate our first uh, while we're waiting retreat uh, out here at the, uh, a retreat place called the country place and um, as Jill mentioned earlier Robin and Jason Hargrove that facilitate the while we're waiting support group with us um, they'll be uh, helping um, and then Brad and Jill and Janice and Larry are coming over and we're going to be running the first time ever double retreat uh, so we're all excited about that. It's a gorgeous facility and very accommodating. And um, 
so that 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 excites us uh, to just be able to have the privilege and honor to be a part of what God's doing, and um, He doesn't He doesn't have to use us, um, and uh, so so we're very grateful for that. And just as we've talked here uh, on on this uh, uh, podcast, is um, it it really helps us to continue to experience healing when we're helping others. So. That's that's what I think about. Um, yeah, I just add into that. Um, we did. Um, people gave very generously um, to the school that Michael was attending at Briarcrest Christian School, and um, where he played football. And so we do have a scholarship um, fund that is um, established, and it is called um, uh, Michael's Heart of a Champion, and it goes um, the first years went to um, a football player that exhibited um, characteristics of Michael and um, and just having a heart of a champion um, on the football field and all of that. Um, and it, off the field. And off the field, yeah, yeah. And, serving, and serving others and, and compassion for others and stuff like that. So um, we've still continued to do that. Our daughter's no longer there, but we're continuing to do that. And now... We are getting ready to expand. It still has money in it, and we're expanding it to go to um, uh, even females, um, female athletes, and we're expanding it to go to other sports. Um, so it's not just football. So um, so these kids are more eligible uh, for that. So that will continue on until the money runs out or, or whenever God says shut it down. Right. So, right. Um, so that's been a blessing to have that as well in uh, Michael's name. So sure. That's awesome. I did want to say one more quick word about that retreat that you mentioned. That is a retreat for bereaved parents and it will be at this, we got to visit the retreat facility there in, in Moscow, Tennessee, and it is absolutely beautiful. And like Sean said, this is going to be our very first double retreat. When we host a retreat, our maximum number of people, uh, we have singles or couples, would be 10, 10 to 12 singles or couples. And this particular facility has two ends on the property, each of which has about that many rooms and each of which has its own separate meeting area. So we can have two separate retreats going on at the same time with two facilitating couples at each retreat. Yet, during free time, during meals, the two groups can interact. And so it will be an opportunity for our guests, you know, to really form some close bonds with the people that are actually in their particular retreat, but then also meet and get to know twice as many people as they normally would at a regular retreat. So we're, we're really excited about that. We're, we're probably will even do our closing time on Sunday morning, our time of praise and worship together as one group. And that's just really exciting to us. And that way we can have twice as many people there as we normally do. <laughs> and uh, so we're excited about that. Now, I'm going to post a link in the show notes where people can go online and read about that particular retreat. But I'm going to go ahead and say that retreat is full. <laughs> so um, you can still sign up to be on our waiting list. We quite often get cancellations and we can often get people in um, sooner than they expect. And so go ahead, if you are interested in that retreat, go ahead and go to the website and sign up, register. And even if you don't get into this one, we anticipate doing additional retreats at this location in the future. And so if you want to go ahead and sign up on this list, you will be one of the first people to be contacted about future dates that we schedule at this location. So uh, just a word about that. We would love to meet any of you at a retreat one day. So we're about to wrap up our conversation. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? Heather's looking at me. So I'm, I'm taking it that, that I'm up first. <laughs> Well, Jill, I just really want to extend, you know, my thanks and gratitude to you and the While We're Waiting Ministry and Brad and and uh, Janice and Larry and just how much y'all mean to us. Um, and and each of you are truly leading by example of how to live well while we are waiting. And what an appropriate name for the ministry. <laughs> Um, so we're just incredibly honored and privileged to be a part and, uh, and, 
um, just humbled that, that you would ask us to uh, be a part of, of this show, this podcast. And, and uh, we certainly hope that it'll be an encouragement to many others and, and uh, just spur one another on to, to lean hard into Jesus and, and have hope. I'll just add uh, real quick, just a quick little testimony of uh, retreat is that um, Sean signed us up and we went and um, I did not want to go. And we got there and even Friday night, Sean was like, do you want to share? And I was like, no, I'm not talking to anybody. And that's not me. I talk to everybody. But um, at that point, I just needed to hear my daughter's um, voice. Um, She was coming home from camp and I felt guilty not being there. And so it took me that evening to get through that. And after I heard her voice, I was okay. But then the next morning, um, I think we were maybe the second person that shared. And by Sunday, um, I did not want to leave. It it (laughs) felt like home. And so I just want to encourage anyone that has hesitation of signing up for the retreat, that you're not ready or whatever, go ahead, sign up, step out in faith, and I guarantee you God will bless it. Amen. Yeah. I remember that, Heather. <laughs> I remember <laughs> yes. you were not excited to be there, but we're so glad that you stuck with it and that you that you walked in the door that Friday night and uh we had a we had a great retreat that weekend as I recall. But yeah, a lot of people are hesitant to sign up. We have had people even who have registered and then they get here onto the property and they're just they they come down the driveway and turn around and and go back, you know, because it's just hard. It's a hard hard step to take. It is. But everybody who has actually pushed through and made that step has been very glad that they did. So, thank you for that word of encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming on tonight. Uh, very much enjoyed our conversation, and uh, I know those who listen will be encouraged by what you had to say. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.